Thank you for taking the time to view this message online. You can connect with us more through our comments section of this video, through our Facebook page, or through our website, nhgj.org. So far in this message series on life together, we've looked at things that will enable us to disciple with one another as part of God's family. Now, the shaping that we're doing and we're working on is in the context of our vision at New Horizons, that we are becoming people who are deeply connected to Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, and living as an expression of God's love to the world. This picture is of those who are committed to living life together and are in relationship with one another. It's not about just isolated discipleship, us and Jesus. It's about us collectively and Jesus, not just individually. As I deliver this final message in this series, I want to first recap some of the main ideas that we've hit on up to this point in the other messages. First, we looked at this emphasis of love as a differentiator between us and the world. Jesus said, they, others, will know that you're my disciples by the way that you love one another. And so it's not just a, an affection or a kindness towards one another, though that's present. It is an actual quality of love, a depth of love that is sacrificial and it differentiates between the way that other people experience love in the world around us. And so Jesus says this is a major influencer in his kingdom. And it's a way in which we relate to one another in his family that really points other people to him. It's a way that we witness to and testify of our love for Christ and a witness of the kingdom of God. The next thing that I emphasized and, and highlighted is that in, in relationship with one another, it's inevitable that we will hurt other people and will be hurt by other people. So it's a give and a take. And these offenses that come to the surface, these offenses that take place, the question isn't if they'll happen, but when they happen, what will we do with them? Uh, that's an important thing to take hold of because if you're going to aspire to live in community and experience life in Christ together, we have to be ready to deal with conflict and to deal with those offenses. Because if we, one, if we make them these big mountains that can't be overcome, we're going to be a very divided church. We're going to have a lot of relationships, bridges that are burned, doors that are closed, and it's going to be very difficult to function with one another in community and, and share life together in Christ. On the other end of that spectrum, if we just act as though we're not ever offended or we've never offended anybody and we just ignore it, then there's going to be a lot of beneath the surface anxiety, frustration, anger, uh, going to be suppressed and it's, it's going to start flaring up and showing up in other ways. And it's going to affect the quality of our love for one another. So the way of Jesus isn't to build it up and hold on to it and continue to wound ourselves with it or wound others and justify it, nor is it to bury it and to act like no offenses ever occur in our midst, but the healthy family of God, the way that we relate is we go to one another. Uh, this is the way that Jesus pointed us to, as he described it in the gospel of Matthew, that we go to one another before we try and engage in worship and before we act as though everything is good between us and God and us and everybody else, we go to one another and we say, listen, this, this is difficult. This, this is something that affected me and I was offended by, or I think I offended you with this. 
can we resolve this? Can we come to a mutual uh, understanding and a love towards one another? Mutual, that's the important thing. It's not enough that you get over it or just that they're over it, but mutually you feel like you're in a good place. Uh, so this is what's important in terms of offenses. And then last week, what do we do when we're together? In the last message I highlighted, there's a lot of things you can do in a group or when you come together as a community. Uh, can talk about the weather, can talk about current events, pol politics, you can talk about uh, family life. Uh, all those things are, are fine as long as they're not divisive and, and argumentative. But Jesus and the early church actually pointed to something else that is important to do. It's very directive in terms of what our time should include among all the other things. It says that in, in one of the verses that we looked at, that we should come with something for the rest of the body. That we don't just show up to be a observer of what's taking place. And so this is in contrast to modern church culture in the United States or in the Western church, which is somewhat of a observer uh, where the, the ministry is taking place by other people and we just simply observe. In contrast, what the scripture that we looked at in the last message said that everybody is a participant. So when I show up, when you show up with others, we come with a word of encouragement. We come with a verse. We come with a song, a tongue, or an interpretation. We come with a revelation or a teaching. We come with a testimony of God's goodness. So the emphasis there is that you have something to bring to the family of God. You doing life together isn't just something that you observe, it's something that you participate in. So what happens on a Sunday service uh, from a platform, that's good to celebrate and we, we celebrate together what God has done. But the real life of the church is when we're together in smaller groups. The, the full discipleship is taking place when we're living life together in community, just as Jesus did with the disciples when we're sharing a meal together, when we're walking through a life circumstance and praying with one another, that is where the life of the church comes, comes together. And so that's uh, the, the highlights that we've come to so far. This is how we do life together. Well, in this message, I'm wrapping up this series with something that we all know is particularly difficult, especially in these current times. Uh, the qualities that I'm going to talk about seem to be very elusive and in short supply these days. And so when I talk about it, it's going to come to the surface. It's going to be very apparent that the people of Jesus have a unique opportunity in this current season of life within the world and within the church. We have an open door. We have a unique opportunity to put on display how living as part of God's family is in stark contrast to the rest of the world around us. It's an opportunity to show how Jesus has made a difference in my life and in the life of those who are in community together following Jesus, how we care differently and how we live differently. The qualities that I'm going to talk about, the, the skill that I'm going to talk about, the, the, the character trait, they are empathy and compassion. Now, living together as God's family requires a lot of relational skills, but I can't overstate how empathy and compassion 
can transform our relationships together and be a testimony, a witness to the world around us. I think even saying those words, it probably you might be nodding your head right now and saying, yes, the world lacks my community around me, my city, my, my workplace, even maybe in my immediate family, there is a void, there is a deep uh, need, a drought maybe for empathy and compassion. Without Christ, uh, we would just talk, be talking about our own ability to live these out and to be able to do these. We would be talking about you know, whether we have it within ourselves to live with empathy and compassion. But we're not talking about without Christ. We're talking about the Holy Spirit who Jesus said, he goes to the Father and he sends another, the Holy Spirit, who would be with us and who would be in us. And with the Holy Spirit in us, leading us and transforming us into the image of Jesus Christ, empathy and compassion are not only possible, they're necessary. They're a must in our discipleship in order to become more like Jesus. Now, what makes it challenging for us is that apart from the Holy Spirit, we have the Holy Spirit, but we don't only have the Holy Spirit. We have our family history and the way that our family of origin dealt with circumstances and whether empathy and compassion were modeled for us. We have the challenge of our own preferences and biases, just our own personality and makeup is affecting our ability to live out these qualities. And of course, not to be understated in any way is the cultural influences, like what we watch, what we listen to, what we read, what we scroll and like on our social media feeds. These are all influential because these things have strong pulls to draw us into opposition to one another. The flavor of the day in the world around us is conflict. It is a culture of fear and anger. It is a culture of polarization that tries to draw you and I into separate corners from others in the world around us and says, you're not like them, they're not like you, they are those people, you are among us, and try to draw up different sides. This is how social media works, for one. Uh, the algorithms are set up to really ignite uh, anger because anger ignites people more than, and polarization ignites people and motivates them to like and view and participate in those uh, types of mediums more than love and empathy and compassion. And so this is, as I say, the flavor of the day is polarization. And so when I say that these are challenging, I'm not just saying it just to set up a paper tiger that I can knock down later in the message. I'm saying these things are counter-cultural. These things are running against the tide. When I say that the Holy Spirit needs to be in you and working in me and in us in the church, in order for us to live with empathy and compassion, I mean it is dire, it is, it is totally necessary because there's so many other forces at work to cause you to see other people as the enemy, to cause you to get on one far side and see them on the other extreme side so that there's no way that you could ever see their point of view. Well. 
Again, without Christ, that's not possible. But with Christ and the Holy Spirit within us, this is very, not only very possible, but it's very much the way of life that we need to live together so that we can experience what it means to be in community in God's family. Let's pray. And we'll look at Romans chapter 12 as it directs us how to actually accomplish this. Well, Holy Spirit, we do welcome you. We know that these things are not possible. We're not able to conform to the image of Christ and be transformed in our inner man and inner woman uh, to what you want us to be, except that you are doing that work within us. You are sanctifying us. You are uh, purifying us. Uh, you are empowering us to be more like Jesus than we were yesterday. Uh, today we have an opportunity, Lord, to grow in this area and become who you would want us to be. And so we want to embrace it. Teach us in your word. Lead us by your spirit. Empower us to live it out, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Romans 12, and I'll be reading from verses 9 through 16 and uh, using the English Standard Version. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Well, life together in God's family is really meant to be something different, isn't it? And I think those verses, just reading through them, you hear a completely different tone than what you might hear in the world around us. One thing I want to highlight from this portion of Scripture comes in verse 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. As I said earlier, this is countercultural, right? The, the idea in the world is you focus in on what matters to you. You let your feeling, your emotion, you don't have to empathize. You don't have to understand that side. You already have the answer. You already have your viewpoint. You need to solidify it. You need to, you need to move forward with it. They're trying to overtake you. They're trying to influence you and you need to have your guard up and you're not supposed to empathize. You're not supposed to show compassion. They're the enemy. They're what's wrong with the world. They're what's wrong, and they're trying to ruin your way of life. It doesn't take long to experience this type of thinking and this type of lifestyle in the world around us. In fact, as I'm delivering this message, it's coming uh, the day after. It's coming on uh, September the 12th, the day after the 20th anniversary of 9-11 and the terrorist attacks. I just recently watched a documentary on, on uh, the events of that day. And just thinking about the families and the individuals, so many people. 
and what they experienced. Uh, heavy heart, right? Heavy heart as you watch that. So much loss and so much hurt for families and individuals. Uh, people standing on the streets watching as the planes crashed into the towers, just looking on in horror and just tears, recognizing these are lives lost. And so that sense of empathy and compassion uh, that I'm aware of, I didn't know anybody personally who was in one of the towers, but it doesn't take that personal connection for me to feel empathy for those families and for those individuals of the life that is lost. We recently in the United States uh, withdrew troops from Afghanistan and again the political side of it is one thing but it doesn't take much to be able to feel empathy for those who served and maybe you're feeling like it was for nothing. The families who lost uh, sons and daughters, uh, brothers and sisters during that war in Afghanistan and wondering what have we been doing over the past 20 years if that comes to nothing. So the ability to feel empathy and sadness for those families and those individuals who have served or lost loved ones who served. On another front here in the United States, there's issues around COVID-19 and, and uh, most recently talk of mandates for vaccination, especially for healthcare workers, but now into other fields. And there's, again, the issue of getting a vaccine or not getting a vaccine, but in the midst of that, there's people. Uh, I'm, I'm one who uh, has been vaccinated, and so I have my own opinions and feelings about that. but that's not the focus as much as there's real people who are questioning if they're going to have their jobs taken away from them because of the issue of not being vaccinated. Whatever my feelings are about that, I can certainly have empathy and compassion towards individuals who are faced with decisions about their employment and the well-being of their families because of that. But it says in Romans 12, verse 15, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Do you and I have the capacity to be present with people? And that's the first expression is empathy. Empathy is different than compassion in the sense of it's, can I put myself in your shoes? Can you put yourself in my shoes? and understand why, or even if you can't understand it, can you at least be present with me of why I'm making the decisions that I'm making? Can you, can you at least be present with me? Can I be present with you in what you're having to go through? Empathy says that I care enough about you to be present with you and not stand off at a distance and say, well, that's just your problem. You shouldn't have made that decision. Can I can I be present with the families? Whatever my opinion is of Afghanistan, can I be present with the individuals or the family members who are dealing with loss? Why? Because they're people made in God's image and he loves them. Can I be present with others in the body of Christ who see it differently than me? So empathy requires 
this amazing skill that you and I have better ears than we have mouths. We have bigger ears and we can take in more than we do mouths that have to speak more. That our heart is more uh, capable of being present and, and, and our, our physical proximity to somebody is, is very much not just where we're standing, but it is where we place our affection. Do we have this capacity to not stand off on a polar opposite from somebody? But even if we don't see the issue the same, can we be present enough with them so that our hands get off of the keyboard, our mouths are quiet enough that we can listen to people and just say, I understand where you're at. And even if I don't fully understand, I want to be present with you as you weep, as you grieve, I can be present with you. Empathy means that I can put myself in their shoes. I may not see it the same. I may not have made the same choices, but I at least can put myself in their shoes and understand that they're going through a difficult time. Why? Because I've gone through a difficult time. I've felt loss. I've grieved. And so I have this ability to be present with them. Even if I don't think they're on the right side of an issue, I can love them and I can care about them. I can show empathy. Compassion says that I can actually viscerally feel something towards them. I can want a God's best for them. I, I want to see their life made whole in Christ. Jesus modeled this for us when it says that when he looked at Jerusalem, he just felt compassion for the people because they looked lost and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. It says he felt this compassion and, and, the, and the word really means like a visceral response, this gut level response that when he saw people, he just, he ached for them. He just had this deep heartfelt uh, feeling that he just wanted to long to gather them together. And he actually said that with his words, oh, I would just long to gather you together and provide care for you. And so he had this deep feeling for them. And my fear is that for us as a church that we would lose that, that somehow we feel justified, we feel capable of standing at a distance with our arms crossed and looking at people across the aisle in our own churches or looking out into the world around us and say, well, you deserve that. Oh my goodness, what would we do if we got what we deserved from God? We would all be wiped off the face of the earth. It's yet just by the grace of God, his compassion, his long suffering, his unfailing love that we are not completely all lost. So there should never be an ounce of judgment. There should be never an ounce of a sense of self-righteousness in any one of us. It's just a heart of gratitude saying, thank you, Jesus, for the work that you've done on the cross to, to reconcile me to the Father, to take away my offenses so that I can even be in God's presence. Oh, my heart would just be that we would have empathy and compassion like Jesus had for the people in Jerusalem as he looked upon it, that we would have empathy like Jesus had for those who were lost and without him, the, the woman who was caught in adultery, the empathy and compassion that he felt. He didn't have to do the same sin to feel empathy. Jesus was totally sinless. And yet he was able to sit with the woman as she was about to be stoned to death. And he embraced her and said, woman, where are your accusers? She looks up and all those who are going to kill her are now walked away. They've dropped their stones. 
She says, they're gone. He says, then neither do I judge you, neither do I accuse you. Go and sin no more. Can we have that type of heart? Can we break the mold? Can we resist the temptation that the world is putting on us to get in a polar position from the others, to see people through big labels as they're this or they're that, but can we see them as people lost and helpless without a shepherd, just as we should see ourselves apart from Christ? That the only reason that we're not lost and without a shepherd is because Jesus is our shepherd. It's not of our own doing. It's no self-righteousness. Paul says in Romans 12, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Can you weep with the person who might be losing their job because they don't feel comfortable getting a vaccine? Can you, can you sit with them even though you don't view the issue the same? Can you sit with the immigrant who crossed over the border into the United States illegally because they want something better for their child who's dying in an oppressive country and living in poverty? Can you, can you step away from a, a political view and be present with somebody and say, I could see why they would do it. I would do that for my child. I would do that for my family. No, it may not be the right way to address it and we need to fix that. But can you have empathy instead of folding your arms and judging them for making that decision? Can you and I sit with families, whatever you view about a war, can you sit with a family or an individual who is weeping over the loss of life, the loss of friends, the loss of a family member because of a 20-year war that came to a close and there seems to be no better situation than was when it started in many ways? Can we move off of our positions that make us feel righteous and justified and can we embrace people in a way that says, I don't agree or I, don't, I wouldn't get to the same place that you got to, but I can be present with you and I can weep with you and I can be present with you because I have empathy. Can I have compassion? This visceral feeling that, oh, I wish your circumstance was different. I, I, if you know somebody who's experiencing uh, COVID symptoms and they didn't get vaccinated, can you say, listen, I, I don't, I don't rejoice. Some people literally are, are laughing or feel justified because somebody gets COVID and they didn't get a vaccine. They feel like that's okay because they deserve it. They didn't get vaccinated. Oh my goodness. Can we move off of these places where we think we have the ability or the right to have certain feelings and positions that are polar opposites? Some people feel justified that people have adverse effects to getting a vaccine because, well, they, didn't, they shouldn't have gotten in the first place because they are taking an experimental vaccine. They feel justified in their feelings towards those people. Oh, church, can we point a new way? Can we point to a way of hope in Jesus Christ that says, listen, I can sit with you. I can rejoice when you're rejoicing. Even if my circumstances aren't there, I can be present with you and I, I can... I can rejoice at what God is doing in your life. I can hear your testimony and celebrate your healing even if I'm still waiting for mine. I can celebrate with you for your promotion even though I'm still struggling in the job that I'm in or I'm unemployed at this point. My ability to empathize and be present with you isn't always conditioned on my circumstances. I can live in community with you in such a way that we share together each other's victories and we share together each other's moments of grieving and loss. This is what life together looks like. This is what it looks like when we're in community, 
You're my brother or sister in Christ, so I celebrate with you when God does something wonderful in your life. And I weep with you when you're going through a hard circumstance. Because we're together in this. Because we are serving the same Father. May this be our heart. Can we do this for one another and in this way truly live life together and point to a different experience than what the world sees. Instead of living in polar opposites, can we sit with each other? Not because our views are the same, but because our Father is the same and our Son, the way of salvation is the same and because the Spirit within us is the same. And we want to embrace what He's doing in our life more than we want to be righteous in our own self and in our own views and take up all our offices from one another. Well, I finish with this. Life together in God's family isn't just about physical proximity with one another, but it's about our relational proximity and our ability to be present with one another where we're at. I want to encourage you, if you can do that, even if you don't feel like you can, I believe you can by the power of the Holy Spirit at work within every believer that you can grow in your empathy for people, that you can see beyond just the issues and you can be present with people. You can feel compassion and be moved that they would experience God's blessing and his love. Even if they didn't make good decisions, you can at least show compassion and be present with them because of the way that God has been present with you and shows compassion to you. May we be those types of people living in community one with another. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that, that you're calling us to something greater than what the world is experiencing right now. In this cultural moment of anger and polarization, Lord, your church can be something so much richer and deeper and an experience is so much more uh, fulfilling of what your kingdom looks like. Lord, that we are bigger than issues. We are bigger than this moment. We have the ability to be present with one another and, and show the pathway of love by being really uh, empathetic and compassionate towards those around us. Father, that, may that be our gift to one another. Not our views on issues, but Lord, our empathy and compassion towards one another. We thank you that you can do it, Holy Spirit. Not only can you do it, we welcome you, Holy Spirit, to do this in each of us, that we would be the most empathetic and compassionate people, that it is such a contrast that people are drawn to you because of the way that we relate to one another. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You can find more resources for this service at nhgj.org. Email us your prayer requests to prayer at nh4gj.org. If you are a new follower of Jesus, we have a free resource for you called Following Jesus. To receive a copy, send a request to info at nh4gj.org. If you would like to partner with our ministry through giving, you can do that online at nhgj.org giving or by mail to 641 Horizon Drive, Grand Junction, Colorado, 81506. Thank you for being with us and may the Lord bless you.